another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Of the beast. Of the beast. Now you doing, Nesbeth? I'm doing good. Fantastic. I'm doing great. So bad news, the lawsuit came in from last week's episode with the clip. Oh, are we getting a cease and desist order no. from Iron Maiden? No, I <laughs> wish. Sanctuary. Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine? We'd be like, we got a letter from Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, okay. if I got a cease and desist because of the podcast, I would just like frame it in front of my wall. <laughs> Put it on the wall. <laughs> cease and persist. Yeah. Did Steve Harris sign himself? <laughs> they signed himself. Signed by Rod Smallwood yes. and Andy Taylor. <laughs> yeah. We will settle this lawsuit <laughs> for if you record a promo for yeah. our podcast. We'll, uh, I'll be like... We'll see you in court. And we get in court. I'll be like, there he is. There he is. <laughs> we give up. We just wanted to see you in the same room as you. Yeah, can you sign our shirt? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Fantastic. So we got a lot to do today with right. uh, Made in Japan. Yeah, Made in Japan. Yeah. So we had a bunch of requests for live albums. Yeah. And we're starting with the first one. It's funny. Kind I, of the first one. Yeah. And, you know, when you when, when we're getting ready for this, I don't really consider this a live album. It's because EP. It's so small, right? Yeah. It's live. Yeah. Well, it's not even their first yeah. live EP, really. So. But an EP has a limited amount of tracks because of the recording speed. Is that right? Well, it's extended play, so it's not a full album, but it's more than a single. And a single has like an A and a B side. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'll never figure this stuff out. <laughs> it's a vinyl. It all goes back to like when vinyl was like the way to release, you know, music. Yeah. Although there was EPs, CD EPs too. Yeah. So, so there was. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. LPs, EPs, vinyls. LP stands for long yeah. play. Long play. EP is extended play. Extended play. Which sounds like it would be more songs than an LP. Yeah. But I guess it's extended from a but, single. I don't know. This predates me from a music buying perspective, except I'm, I have a load of them now. Yeah. And some of them you have to hit the button on your player when you... Yeah, I was never... Uh, I never bought albums on... I, I My first albums that I ever bought were on cassette. Yeah. Like, I had my sister's vinyl... And my father was more of a folk music, country music kind of guy. Yeah. So uh, the vinyl, to me, like, was always, like, my sister's music. And then when I got into my own music, it was, like, cassettes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until, you know, it wasn't very long ago that I started collecting vinyl. Yeah. I but actually think I started before you. Your you father did. did a release his own vinyl, which we won't we won't. Yes, he did. Yeah. But you never know. People might be digging up for a, an original Nesbitt oh, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Start it. Well, all of a sudden they'll trickle it on Discogs, <laughs> so that you can fund your Iron Maiden. It's on collection. Discogs, actually. No, yeah. is it really? Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to Maiden. Cool. Back to Maiden. <laughs> well, actually, before that's true. My dad had a song on the uh, yeah. in the eighties on. They played it on the the radio. Let's yeah. put this one up both, uh, to Mr. Nesbitt. Okay. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right, so today we have Maple Rush, the Maple Robust Porter, Wild Oat Series. Where's this from, Bose? Yeah, Bose yeah. Brewery. Bose Brewery? Wow, this is nice. The last beer we had that had maple in it, I wasn't a huge fan of, so we'll see how this one goes. But I liked it, didn't I? You liked it. Oh, that one's amazing. Is it? The other one we had was really syrupy sweet. Oh, wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's good. That's really good. It's really good. Wow. See, it's uh, balanced. That's why the last one wasn't at all. It was just like a, a regular dark beer that they just dumped maple syrup into. Yeah, this, this one really tastes good. This is some real flavor. Yep. We should have gone with a made in Japan beer. I should have gotten a Japanese beer. A Japanese beer? We never even thought about it. I didn't even think of it. 
No. I have some in my, in my beer fridge at home, too. Yeah, you do. I have some of those big bottles of Kirin beer at my house. So we yeah. should have had one of those. I didn't even think to. Ah, oh, that would have been perfect. I've never paired the beer with the Maiden album that we're doing. But. Podcast is ruined. <laughs> After the 50th episode, way downhill. All downhill. F- 51 is garbage. So, Made in mm. Japan. Released September 1981. So this is not actually the first EP they released. They released one called Live Plus One. Uh, a, almost a year before this. Um, Ten months before this. So this kind of fits in. It's post-Killers, pre-Beast. It's recorded in May 1981, and Paul's last show is September 10th, 1981. So it's the last recording with Paul, and Paul leaves in late 1981. So this is the last recording with him. By the time it comes out, he's not in the band anymore. And so, yeah, Paul Diano, he leaves. He goes on to do Diano, Gog Magog, Battlezone, Paul Diano with Killers. You know, he's if we do a Paul Diano episode, there's that many solo projects and solo albums by him. He's got albums with uh, Dennis Stratton that he's done. Yeah, he didn't go away. He didn't just, like, disappear. Uh, he's actually still, you know, on the He's go. still active. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to give you, uh, like, where the Maiden Japan fits in. So November 1979, the Soundhouse tapes come out. That's the yeah. first thing they released. It's, like, demos. They had a song on this thing called K-Tel's Axe Attack Volume 1 at some point in 1980, which I think was the next thing that came out after Soundhouse Tapes because after that, the Running Free single came out and the demo for Running Free is on this K-Tail's Axe Attack. And after that first pressing of the K-Tail Axe Attack compilation came out, they replaced the demo version with the album version. So I'm assuming that that came out... I can't really figure out what date that was released, but I'm assuming it came out before the Running Free single. Yeah. Because it's the demo. They didn't have the album version available. Then you get the Running Free single. You get the Metal for Mothers compilation with Sanctuary and Wrathchild on it. Then the Iron Maiden album, their first album, Sanctuary single, Women in Uniform single, the Live Plus One EP, then the Killers album, Twilight Zone single, Purgatory single, and then Made in Japan. Yes. And after that, you get into the Run for, to the Hills single, which is like to hype up the Number of the Beast album. So this is between Killers and Number of the Beast. Okay. So a few EPs and a few compilations. The first album, there's an EP and a few singles in there. The second album... There's a few singles in there, then Made in Japan. So it's like a filler between Killers and Number of the Beast. Kind of okay. like a stopgap. The K-Till Axe Attack Volume 1, which is a compilation that I mentioned, yeah. that came out right after the Soundhouse tapes. Um, I have a funny clip of that to play. Warning, this album is loud and heavy. Axe Attack with UFO. Black Sabbath. Axe Attack with Gillum. Axe Attack with ACDC, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Whitesnake, and the best of the rest on this incredible album, Axe Attack from Kato. So they don't mention Maiden in the commercial for this. They're part of the best of the rest. Um, But I mean, to get put on, you have your Soundhouse tapes out, which is like your demos that you released. And then you get thrown on this with these big bands, like with UFO and like... Aerosmith yeah. and Judas Priest, so it's pretty big. And then right after that, they're right into like their singles from their upcoming Iron Maiden album. So wow. yeah, that's pretty cool. But Made in Japan, Between Killers, and Number of the Beast. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. there's a the Reading Festival they played in August 1981. That was technically before this album, 
but it didn't get released till 2002 on the BBC Archives box set that came out. So I don't really count that as being, you know, that came out after. I count that as a 2002 release that's an archive thing that they pulled out. Anyway, I just played that clip because I thought it was funny. I love the guy's voice. It was KTEL anyway. KTEL had, they were a, they put out a ton of compilations. If you look up KTEL compilations, because I remember when I was a kid, my sister had all kinds of them. There's like chart hits and hot shots and they were just like, they would just grab like top 40 songs, put out these compilations. Yeah, like Big Shiny Tunes equivalent. Only. Equivalent yeah. of Big Shiny Tunes, exactly. Yeah. But like 80s pop music. Well, the ones I knew, I'm sure there was a whole bunch of other ones too. Yeah. And bands was good to get on there because your singles got on there, which were on the radio anyway, but it yeah. would dry into the band. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I made such a big deal about that. That was like a throwaway cool. track. The way, the, the way the, the, the thing went off, it reminded me of, remember those, those toy commercials? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. It sounds almost like a cross between a toy commercial and a one of those monster truck guys. Yeah. He's trying to sound really badass. I thought that was kind of cool. That is, yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, 1980. So this came out in 1981. Um, so they named it Made in Japan. Mm. It's a play on words, kind of like a tribute to the Deep Purple album called Made in Japan. I think it was kind of like a, a half-humorous kind of like tribute to Deep Purple. Because yeah. Dave Murray's favorite album is Made in Japan. That's yeah, his favorite we, live album. We touched that, I think, very briefly. In I think the, we might have. In the Adrian in Adrian's episode. favorite Yeah. The two band of them both was, love Deep Purple. They both love Deep Purple, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting time, too. You know, Made in made in Japan and Deep Purple was made in Japan. And, you know, World War Two ended I mean, 30 years before or so. And then Japan really rose in the 80s. Remember, everything was like Japan yeah. was going to take over the world economy. Yeah. They were so yeah. efficient and futuristic. Yeah. And, I think the Made in Japan is kind of a play on that, too. Yeah. Like made in Japan. Yeah. Well, I think the Deep Purple one was made in Japan was a play on that, yeah. and then this was made in Japan, which is a like a joke of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know was, what I mean? It was the if you actually look back at vinyl, which we love, so many of the vinyl players were made in Japan, right? Panasonic, Toshiba, okay, all those like so electronics before computers and televisions were super dominant. Remember back in those days, they had like GE and RCA, which were like American brands, but the Japanese were already starting to dominate all the electronics. Okay. So in that space they were in, yeah. becoming very dominated by the Japanese. Yeah. So it's a, anyway, it's a cool yeah. title. Um, I think also maybe it's a little tip of the hat to Martin Birch, who is their producer now, because this is after Killers. Uh, he was the engineer for Deep Purple Made in Japan. So. Really? Yeah. So this came out in Japan. It was released in Japan. It was called the Maiden Japan doesn't really translate as a joke yeah. in Japanese. So it was called Heavy Metal Army. I think that's what the Japanese on the front of this. Well, I have the album right here. And I think the Japanese says some of the Japanese that I see on covers says like something to do with like Iron Maiden Japan. Yeah. But the other Japanese text, I think, says Heavy Metal Army. And I've seen some that have Heavy Metal Army like written on the cover in English words too i'm not sure there's a lot of different versions of this but yeah it was called heavy metal army because you know made in japan i don't think they would have it's a play on words and when it's not your language you can't really pull off stuff like that yeah it's lost in translation yeah exactly also a great movie about japan well it's uh when she was young yeah and they're just kind of hanging out in a hotel i've never lived in asia but i've had friends who watched it and have lived in asia and said it's so accurate oh yeah yeah so this is Paul Diano's, I mentioned before, final recording with Maiden. So it's Paul Diano, Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, Steve Harris, Clive Burt, the Killers lineup of yeah. Maiden. Dennis Stratton's long gone. 
by this yeah. point. And Paul Diano was getting toward the end of his, you know, stint in Maiden. So the way this came about, they did this four-date tour of Japan. They did May 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of 1981. They did four nights in a row in Japan. I got a quote from Steve Harris. He's like, everywhere we traveled, there were loads and loads of screaming girls. It was unbelievable. Guys as well would run down the road and start banging on the windows. It was absolutely ridiculous. So it was kind of like this Beatlemania thing on the go there when they showed up. Really? Yeah, so the fans there were just like crazy for Maiden. So the third show of the tour, uh, Nagoya, Japan, May 23rd, 1981, is when is where all these tracks come from. Yeah. So there's only four tracks, but to give you an idea of the set list they're playing, the first night of the tour, May 21st, that was in Tokyo. They did Ides of March, Wrathchild, Sanctuary, Twilight Zone, Remember Tomorrow, Another Life, Genghis Khan, Killers, Innocent Exile, Purgatory, Murders in the Rue, Morgue, Phantom of the Opera, Iron Maiden, and for, then they did an encore of Running Free, did a second encore of Transylvania, a Dave Murray guitar solo and Drifter, and a third encore of Prowlers. Yeah. So that's the first show. The second show is in Osaka, Japan. Set list is Ides of March, Wrathchild, Sanctuary, Twilight Zone, Remember Tomorrow, Another Life, Genghis Khan, Killers, Innocent Exile, Purgatory, Murders in the Room, Morgue, Phantom of the Opera, Iron Maiden, and then the encore is Running Free, Transylvania, Guitar Solo, Drifter, and Prowler. So they're kind of sticking to... There's some slight changes. Yeah. The third show is this one, Nagoya, Japan. So Made in Japan, the four tracks, or the five tracks, depending on which version you have, are taken from the third night... So the set list is Sanctuary, Remember Tomorrow, Another Life, Genghis Khan, Killers, Innocent Exile, Twilight Zone, Strange World, Murders in the Room Org, Fan of the Opera, Iron Maiden. For the encore, they do Running Free. Yeah. They do Transylvania and Drifter. And then they do Prowler and they do Running Free again, a second time. So they did it twice. Really? Yeah, which is strange. So this is the actual show that this is from. So if you look online, a lot of times you can find bootlegs of uh, the Made in Japan, the complete show. It's not actually the show. It's the next night. So the next night, uh, May 24th, 1981, it's also called Another Live. There's, you know, half a dozen different bootlegs of this full concert from the May 24th. And they always say that this is the complete recording of Made in Japan. But if you listen to the tracks, like I have both bootlegs. And if you listen to the tracks from made in japan and you listen to the ones that they say are the full made in japan they're not the same recordings if you like they they don't add up at all well, well on that note i mean we know our live discs now to be full set lists you know chopped up throughout the tour yeah some cases they're they're from a single show why is there only four tracks on the original version of this when that set list there's a bunch on there i'd love to to pick up yeah well i have a bootleg um there's a the full show of the actual made in japan night the 23rd of may uh give you a copy of it it's called made in japan volume 2 the bootleg but it's the full set list from that night the sound quality is not nearly as good as the one on the official recording but uh you can hear all it's i've listened to them side by side yeah and they it is the actual show it is but wait now my question is is when they released this why didn't they put more tracks on it yeah, I don't know. I think it was just a... They put it on an EP. I don't think they really wanted to release a whole live album. Yeah. It was more just to get something out. And what was it thinking? Was it a singles thinking? Like if we put a little bit out? Because they charged less, right? I think it was and, like kind of to hype Maiden. And yeah. this was only released in Japan at first. Yeah. So I think it was like just kind of to have something out. Yeah. While you're waiting for Number of the Beast to come out. So if you want a full bootleg of any of these Japanese shows... It's very easy to find the night after the Made in Japan show, the 23rd. So the 24th one. And the sound quality is better. 
these shows, all four of them, are really, really good, like, performances. Like, the yeah. band sounds amazing. They're, yes. like, at, at one of their, they're at their peak. Yeah. Of this era. Of, of the Paul era. Yeah. That, that will be my takeaway. Yeah. When we get to the clips, we'll, we'll emphasize it. But my, my key thing is, this, if this is his last recording, you can hang your hat on this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, it's I a love great it. way to go out. Yeah. yeah, I think it's excellent. It's actually really rough. And gr- but it, that's their whole era. But I mean, rough and it's the it's the epitome of the sound from that era. At least yep. the way I feel it comes yep. through. But it's so crisp. So just dude. so the, I gave you the three set lists. The fourth yeah. set list, I'm going to go through these quick because it's yeah. kind of boring hearing me like rattle off songs. Yeah. But uh, the Child, Purgatory, Sanctuary, Remember Tomorrow, Another Life, Genghis Khan, Killers, Innocent, Exile, Twilight Zone, Strange World, Murders in the Rue Morgue, Phantom of the Opera, Iron Maiden, The Encores, Running Free, Transylvania, and Drifter. And then they did I Got the Fire by Montrose. So if you have a bootleg that calls itself the full Made in Japan. Japan, And it has the... And has that cover at the end. You're actually listening to the next night's show. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, just throw it away. I mean, it's a full day. (laughs) No, it's still a really good show. It's a different band. Yeah. Different era. It's just there's a lot of like... Almost every bootleg you find claims to be like the full Made in Japan. Yeah. But it's actually this show. Ah. It's the show the night after. And I have some clips from these shows. Um, which I was going to play, but then I was like, we're going to listen to clips from the main Japan. I don't need to play these bootleg clips. The quality's not that great. I had a clip of the Another Life. They do a really long version with like an eight-minute drum solo in it. Mm. And I had a cl- I have actually a clip made here, but I'm not going to play it because nobody wants to listen to like a minute of drum solo. <laughs> you never even asked. Yeah, but drum solos are like... Yeah, they kind of yeah. suck. Yeah, they do. I think so. I don't like drum solos at all. Live in concert... Maybe if you're watching, I could watch like a minute of a drum solo, but like, I don't want to watch anyone do five minute drum solo unless you're Motley Crue and your drum your drum set's gonna like raise off the stage and like rotate. Yeah, and maybe I can watch that, but I don't know. Drum solos to me, I watch a guitar solo like all day, but I don't know. Drum solos to me, they just don't do it for me. I don't know. I find I pay more attention to drum solos. Oh really? Because yeah. Clive Burr would do an extended drum solo during Another Life hmm. during this tour. Like, every time they did it, that was, like, a staple of part of their show. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of drum solos. I know what you're saying. There's only so much you can do. The sound sounds so naked. Yeah. Drums are meant to be, you know, they're meant to fill out and set a rhythm. And then you put them on their, on their own, and then the, the, it's just the same old routines. Yeah. I mean, I could listen to someone do something like Danny Carey from Tool or, like, Neil Peart, maybe. I could listen yeah. to one of those because they're really... You'd just be like in awe of what they're playing, but most of these guitar solos are just like, bum, bum, like I don't know. I'm trying to get the crowd into it and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I th- I think sometimes you put it puts emphasis on drummers and allows them to do stuff that they just can't do normally. Yeah, which is what a solo is anyway. But um, and you know some of the transitions that drummers have are so hard to time and intense that when you 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 can really appreciate, you know they 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 yeah. get they get looked over right like I know. Well, instead of having a drum solo, everyone should just pay more attention to the drums while the band's playing. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> like, I've noticed that a lot when we did albums that you really pick out, like, drum fills. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, like, make a clip of just, and say, like, just listen to the fills on the song. And stuff that you might not have noticed, but, like, and that goes for Clive Burr and Nico. Yeah. Um, a lot of the fills that they do in there are just, like, crazy, and they're awesome. And sometimes I think... There's so much going on with Maiden with like the bass and the soaring vocals and stuff that you like don't absorb it until you like really focus on it and pay attention. 
Yeah. So I guess that's what they try to do with drum solos is like, here's what our drummer can do in case you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. But I guess in, in another way you can look at it and say drum solos are like bass solos. They just don't have that same. Yeah. I don't same know. Same draw. Yeah. I think maybe the length of drum solos too are a turn off for me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually have uh, copies of the four track version and the five track version of Made in Japan. And this one is the re-release that came out in the first 10 years box set. So there's many versions of uh, Made in Japan floating around. That's the first, that's the Canadian pressing. So, okay. And if you look at the back, it's a very cl- classic. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That Eddie mask. It's awesome. So it's yeah. a cool, a really cool cover. This is, uh, I don't know if we rated this very high when we did our top album covers, but I love the Samurai Eddie coming out of like the haze of the smoke with the stage lights behind him it's yeah. very cool it's cool definitely cool i like it so there's an alternate cover for this that is super rare and super expensive online so there's a picture of eddie holding up paldiano's decapitated head yeah that's the one they sold in south america right right well so what happened basically is Derek riggs made that as the cover the management saw it and were like it's not happening because Diana was kind of already on the verge of being replaced at this yeah. point. They canceled a few shows because of his voice and his physical state. And he was like kind of a mess at this point. Uh, he's kind of barely making it on stage sometimes. And there's a couple of, couple of stories in some of my books I read where he like passes out after the show. And I think like the stress, he, he says he wasn't kind of a big fan of the direction the band was going in. He kind of lost his passion for it. I think the stress of being in the band and touring, he just kind of stopped giving a shit. Like, people say he got kicked out because of drugs and alcohol. But I think it was more like he kind of lost his passion for it and was kind of turned to drugs and alcohol to try to make it through. Yeah. But he kind of, you know, kind of knowing how it was going to go. And that was kind of his way out of the band. Isn't that kind of crazy to think that, um, you know, they go there and they have that, like, you know, mini Beatles reaction that you mentioned, and he shirks that. I mean, isn't that the goal? You're so young, you're like, I yeah. do this for five years. You know, I retire when I'm 30. Yeah, you'd think so. Punch the clock. You'd think so. Yeah. But I, I mean, there'd be a lot of stress and a lot of pressure too, and I don't know, maybe he wasn't, wasn't up for it. No. Or it could be true what he says. Like he said that when they went from Iron Maiden to Killers... It was a direction he didn't want to go in. Yeah. And he was like, this is too much of an ordeal for something that I'm not 100% into. I don't know what the other direction to go was, though. Because I don't know I, I don't know that pathway. But to me, Killers is better than Iron Maiden. I think so, too. I think almost everyone would say that. It's better sounding. But you know the Killers is all kind of... Except for two songs, they're all kind of leftover songs that they didn't put on Iron Maiden. So they were already written before. Doesn't that say a lot, though, about the... Yeah, I think Martin Birch is the reason that everyone thinks Killers is amazing. Because he came in on that album, and it sounds awesome. Yeah. We did the Killers album, and we talked all about this. Yeah. Anyway, the timeline for this, May 1981, mm-hmm. Made in Japan is recorded. That's this show. The Reading Festival was August 1981. Maiden was playing it, and Samson was playing it. And apparently, uh, Bruce was approached to be the singer of Maiden. September 10th, so that's August. September 10th, the last Diano show. And then Made in Japan comes out September 14th. So there's a lot of weird overlap with Bruce and Paul. So it wasn't, 
they didn't fire him and then find Bruce. Like, Bruce is lined up. I have a quote from Bruce Dickinson's book. And he says, this is his book that he just came out with. The, what does this bush button do? Yeah, yeah. He says, I was in the corner of the beer tent when Rod Smallwood approached me, saying, let's go somewhere quiet where we can talk. So this is at the Reading Festival. Yeah. He says, back in my room, away from prying eyes, Rod laid out his cards. I'm offering you the chance to audition for Iron Maiden. Are you interested? There had been enough beating around bushes and tap dancing around issues. I decided. So I told him what I thought. First of all, you know I'll get the job or you wouldn't ask. Second, what's going to happen to Paul, the current singer? And does he know he's going? So yeah. Bruce was pretty much lined up before Paul was kicked out of the band. Yeah. When you listen to Made in Japan, it's kind of strange that like it came out the singer was pretty much already replaced when this album came out. Yeah. So you're listening to it, it's so great, and you're like, you can't get over how great the band sounds and how great Paul sounds. Yeah. And on this album, he sounds amazing. It's strange when you listen to it and you think about what was going on. Well, when you listen to this album, you realize what a risk that is. Like, you don't know at that stage when you're replacing him. Um, these guys are comfortable right. with, his, with his capability. But you don't know it's going to work. I'm not sure if he had already auditioned by the time... I know he was auditioned before Paul got kicked out yeah so i'm not sure the order of things i guess happened. they didn't try and really fix the situation with paul a lot did they or i don't i think i wouldn't say steve harris wants to like try to coax someone to be more into yeah. me you know what he's like he's like you're in it 110 percent. he said with adrian are you in the band 110 percent? and adrian said he had to think about it and he's like adrian well it's not good enough 100 percent is the best you can get <laughs> so i would say they probably auditioned bruce and we're like okay we're good to go we can get rid of let go of paul I actually have a clip. Do you want to hear a clip of Bruce Dickinson's audition tape for Iron Maiden? Yes. his best showcase but as soon as i hear that i'm like yeah if i'm in that room i'm like all right we're good yeah you'll be like yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah so basically how we got talking about all this stuff with bruce replacing paul is this album cover came out with eddie holding paul's decapitated head yes he was pretty much decided that he was going to be out of the band yeah and the management was like you can't release this but it got released in venezuela the venezuelan right. version of made in japan has the original cover on it. And those are like seven or $800 online now. I looked them up. Wow. So that's another one that I'm never going to add to my collection. Well, we'll no see. Soundhouse tape. No uh, Made in Japan Venezuelan. So the, uh, the the crazy thing about it is the, you know, Riggs did it. My understanding of it is Riggs did it because it was cool. Yeah, exactly. Just like he brought Bruce into, yeah. I think, the Number of the Beast cover. Or whatever. Right. Well, the hell would be thy name when they... 
yeah. when Bruce left. Remember, they put the Hallowed Be Thy Name single out, and there's a cover of him being skewered by the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. So did, did but that's where I was going. Did yeah. Riggs know that he No, was he had no God? idea. He just did so, it because he thought it'd be cool. But it has this crazy extra meaning, yeah. right? Like, we've killed him. Yeah. Now we're going to, that's awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. that's the, the cover art has some, like, drama behind it. Yeah, don't read, read into our podcast art because we, we always get killed. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we don't go anywhere. <laughs> so the tracks on the album, there's four or five tracks, depending on what version you have. Um... If there's any more, if you have more than four or five tracks, it's not unofficial. Yeah, it's just Wrathchild is the extra track, right. right? And that's the what's the difference in this North American version, isn't it? Right. So there's yeah. okay. So I read online a bunch of places that in 1999 the entire concert was like released as a CD to Iron Maiden fan club members. Uh, it's totally not true. People say it's like a super rarity for like fan club members or whatever, but it never happened. This is just a bootleg. I don't know if somewhere there's a bootleg where it says that on it. That's for fan clubs or something like that. But if you have more than four or five tracks on your Made in Japan, it's not an official Made in Japan. Ooh. Yeah. I can hear harsh breaking. <laughs> so it originally came out in Japan. Japanese pressing, like you said, has four tracks on it. So the first track is side A and side B, two tracks per side. Um, the first track on Made in Japan is Running Free. <laughs> Paul was like almost gonna get kicked out of the band at this point. He sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of energy, really super tight. They sound great. A lot faster than the album. Yeah, and um, like running free, they they didn't play it twice on this night. They played no. it twice in another night. Right. Because I was gonna say which recording. Um. Yeah. No. I man, I love this album. Yeah, yeah. it's great. The uh, second track. Remember yeah. Tomorrow? Remember Tomorrow, yeah. One of the best live versions of the song I think you can find. That's that's awesome, but remember tomorrow for me is always just such a Paul song. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, you know, I'm thinking when has Bruce done it? But I've done, I've heard Bruce do this. Right. Screams. So exactly but, yeah. the the B side of Number of the Beast. Yes, I remember we covered right. it in that. That's Has right. yeah. Bruce doing the song? That's right. And I actually have a, a okay, a little story about that. Oh, cool. So 
Um, the version of Remember Tomorrow, B-side of Number of the Beast, is this version that you're hearing on Made in Japan. Oh, they did the vocals. With the vocals stripped yeah. off, and, and Bruce did it. I have a quote here from Bruce. I'll read it again. I read it when we talked about this before. Uh, he said, We went into the rehearsal room and never recorded anything there. We just played. I just sang over backing tapes that they already had. They were live tracks. And in the great Rod Smallwood tradition of never letting anything go to waste, he promptly put it out as an EP shortly thereafter, claiming it was me. In fact, there's one bit, I think there's the song Remember Tomorrow, where Paul, who's the original vocalist, is doing some ad-libs to the crowd, and it's obvious, obviously his voice. And because it's on the audience microphones, there's not a lot you can do about it. I had to grunt and go, are you doing all right? Or something like that, to try to cover it up. So the Bruce version is this version with Paul stripped out and Bruce put in. And I actually opened them both in sound editing software, and they're exactly the same laid over each other. Which is kind of cool because if you play them both together, you get a duet with Paul and Bruce. So this is Paul Diano and Bruce Dickinson singing the exact same song together. that it's the exact same recording that's awesome yeah but uh that's funny the two of them singing yeah. together there's no comparison to the screen if people were ever wondering about uh paul diano and bruce ever doing a duet someday on a maiden song well that i think that's as close as you're ever gonna get that's about it yeah <laughs> that's awesome though yeah i remember we we touched on that one we, we looked at it in yeah. the past when we did the b-side there that's like my blaze bailey and bruce doing blood brothers i played last episode yeah another little nesbit nugget <laughs> Nesbit Nuggets. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I like, so, the, I like yeah. the duets. Yeah. I well, I have, yeah, I did a duet last episode. Um, that Blood Brothers one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's, let's go to the game. I'll play it again. Yeah. So, basically, when they were recording the Virtual 11 recording sessions, yeah, um, there was four tracks left over that they used on Brave New World. Adrian Smith, in an interview, said Nomad, Dream of Mirrors, Mercenary, and he says he can't remember the fourth one. Um... I read an interview with Blaze, and he said he was like, it was on another podcast, and he said that after he was uh, after he left Maiden, he was kind of depressed, and he was working on a bunch of those Brave New World songs while he was in Maiden with Steve, and that like Steve kind of bought the rights off of him for the song, what he contributed to the writing. Um, he said that Blood Brothers was one of the songs, and he said that when he heard it on the album with Bruce singing it, he broke down in tears because that was one of his favorite ones that he worked. So I think that's the fourth one that was left over from oh. from the Blaze era that actually ended up on Brave New World. So here is 
I did a, uh, another duet just because the last one. Yeah. This brings us up again. This is Bruce and Blaze singing Blood Brothers together. lifted one vocal track and dumped it on top of the other one that's good so anyway that was a side tangent it has nothing to do with main japan no. <laughs> but it's another duet we'll go back to side two of main japan they do uh killers as good a recording as yeah well, well paul yeah. was almost out of maiden at this time but he sounds great so mm-hmm. even all the stuff you read about him being in like poor shape before the shows and like you know yeah. drugs and alcohol and stuff i think he could probably always pull it together for when he gets on stage because he just sounds great yeah yeah he might, might be an autopilot a bit but yeah but no he's um he yeah, it's brilliant i love well i love all of it yeah, it's a it's yeah, a really good recording. recording, and for yeah. Paul's last official recording with Maiden, yeah. I think this is like a great like like you said, it's a great like yeah, it's a great way to send off. Send off. But it's got the rough and gritty Killers sound. Um, you know, not as much as like yeah. well, it is the Killers it. world. It's the Killers yeah. tour, yeah. But it's got such a crisp recording. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it's 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 the 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 roughness comes out of the music, not the recording. Yeah, and I'm used to listening to a lot of bootlegs from this era, so when I hear this, it sounds amazing to me. I'll play the last song, Innocent Exile. Yeah.
So Dave and Adrian doing the song, man, they sound perfect together. They're so tight. Yeah. Like they're just, yeah, they awesome. sound amazing. That's a total Paul song too. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bruce has sung the song before. So the last time the Maiden played this was November 15th, 1981. The second last date of this Killers tour. So the Killers World Tour is what this EP is like recorded on. Yeah. Um, September 10th was the last Paul Diano show. It was in Copenhagen. They finished out, they had seven gigs left. So they finished out this Killers tour with Bruce Dickinson. Mm-hmm. So that was like a little, you know, way to kind of break Bruce in. It was the last seven dates of this tour. So they're not quite finished the tour. Paul leaves. Bruce comes in. They do the last seven gigs. Yeah, so I have a bootleg of Bruce doing this from when he was in, it's from one of these last seven gigs. It's a really short clip because the sound quality of this bootleg is so bad, but it's good enough that you can hear what Bruce sounds like trying to sing the song. But you can that, hear enough yeah, that Bruce's voice just does not It does suit not that work. At all. And his approach to that song yeah. is just wrong. So that clip is the last time they ever played that song live. Uh-huh. So you can see why they dropped it. He could do that a lot better yeah. though. Well, when he jumped in, they kept the, the Paul set list. And yeah. they kind of changed it up and they dropped the song because and they've never played it since. Oh. That's one of those songs that's a complete Paul it's song. It's a total Paul yeah. song. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest with you, running free. Killers, Innocent Exile, and even Remember Tomorrow, they're, all, they're Paul songs. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. yeah. And this is, I like that these are kind of some of the most Paul songs. Yeah. And that's the ones they picked for the four on the EP. Yeah. As his last recording with Maiden. Um, they did release this. Now they released it in, that was the Japanese, the original Japanese release. When it came out in the US, Canada, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil. Yeah. Are the, when that came out, they added a fifth track and they added Wrathchild. favorite killer songs yeah so that's from yeah. the same show yeah. it's just an extra track which makes me think that they have the full recording somewhere yeah. as a, like a soundboard like you know a good version of it yeah i didn't listen to that one a lot just the one time yeah uh you know because i was listening to the original uh, it just feel the same to me something about it yeah, paul doesn't sound quite as good the band sounds better than ever 
yeah. on that version. But Paul, that's the same night. Like, yeah, maybe it's it's me. It's my observation yeah. bias. But Paul, I, I agree. Paul doesn't sound quite as good on this as he does on the well, other four tracks. The killer's track. recording of Wrathchild is so good. Yeah, I just love it on the album. That, Kill, that's me, one of the songs. As soon as that bass intro comes in, you can yeah. tell Martin Birch like that's yeah. his uh, his that's his presence that you just hear. So good. Yeah. So the Made in Japan came out on LP and cassette. Yeah. I have the cassette at home. I forgot to bring the cassette. I was going to bring it to show you. Uh, it's never been released on CD. So if you have a CD of this, it's a bootleg, except that it came as a bonus CD. So they released a bunch of these CDs with bonus discs. Um, the Killer CD has uh, a second disc. It has Women in Uniform, the album version, Invasion, which is the B-side from Women in Uniform, a live version of Phantom of the Opera from the Live Plus One EP that we're going to get into now in a, little, in a bit. And then it just has the five tracks from Made in Japan. So that's a bonus CD. That's the only time it came out on CD. And what? where did that come out? It's a bonus CD that came out with... the In 1995, Castle Records re-released Iron Maiden, Killers, Beast, Peace of yeah. Mind, Power Slave, Live After Death, Somewhere in Time, Seventh Son, No Prayer, Fear of the Dark as two CD sets. So they yeah. all have a bonus CD. And apparently the sound quality on them is like amazing. And they all have a bonus CD with bonus tracks. They're like 40 or 50 bucks for the CD online if you want to find them. Yeah. Um, and so the Killers one had the Made in Japan tracks released on the bonus CD for that. On the bonus CD. So is that insert in the in the album or was it an extra it's CD? It's a two set? CD set. So oh, okay. It's two, two CD. And, yeah. and it's, the tracks are embedded with those women uniform, the B-sides on yeah. that extra disc. On the second disc, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Made in Japan, I think, is a, like we were saying, it's a really cool live document of the band at this point. Right at the end of the Paul era and right before the Bruce era. Yeah. So I really like listening to bootlegs at this point in the band. It's just cool. Paul's on the way out. Bruce is in. There's a weird overlap. No one's yeah. sure exactly the timing of it all. And Bruce being thrown into the band. Like, I really like the the era when Bruce first comes in the band. And he's kind of trying to do this, like, killer set list. And they kind of drop a few songs. And they start sprinkling in some songs during these, like, seven gigs before Beast comes out. November 15th, 1981, they debut 22 Acacia Avenue and Children of the Damned for yeah. the first time. Uh, there's a Ruskin Arms, 1981. I played a clip from that in the last podcast. They played Hallowood for the first time, but they also played Run to the Hills and The Prisoner for the first time. So they have these songs from Number of the Beast, and they kind of start testing them out like live. Yeah. And I just I have to have a bunch of bootlegs from this time period. I just yeah. love listening to them. Um, I'll play you a clip of... We played it in case you didn't listen to it last last uh, episode. This is a short clip of the first time they ever played Hallowood Be That Name live.
the end not some crazy dream <laughs> one of so my that's, favorite lyrics that's from time. the Ruskin Arms show um, November 15th is the first time I'll, I got a couple of these clips I'll play now this is the first time they ever played Children of the Damned Quality of that one's like super harsh, but yeah, Bruce sounds great. Um, this is a clip, this is the first time they ever played The Prisoner. sound quality on those clips are pretty bad i cut them pretty yeah. short because the quality is really bad but these this is what i was saying they're throwing in these songs from kind of testing out the number of the b songs live yeah. this is i'm gonna play this whole song because it's bootleg and i guess you're, it's okay to play bootlegs yeah we cleared that up yeah this podcast um we're good to go this is the first time they ever played run to the hills and listen how awesome bruce dickinson sounds Thank you. 
So that made in 1981, the first time they ever played Run of the Hills Live. Bruce sounds insanely awesome on that. Yeah, he's deadly. Yeah, he's hitting it just like the album. Yeah. The difference in quality in some of those clips is, shows yeah. a lot, doesn't it? But, yeah. Well, uh, they're audience recordings, so yeah. I guess people are recording with tape recorders. Yeah. So it depends how close you are to the speakers, how what the sound is like in the room, yeah. what your equipment. Well, all like. the way back then, they must have been using like an iPhone one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's amazing they got that quality. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's pretty cool. Because everything would have been analog then. So, I mean, even if you could tap into something, you'd still have noise issues. Yeah, it's funny sometimes you listen to bootlegs from like back in the day, and you'll be listening listening to the uh, set list. It'll hit a song, and they'll have half the song, and it'll be broken into another one. It's like there'll be a note there that like the guy had to like stop and flip the tape and start recording again. So oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like break sometimes. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So that was Made in Japan. Yeah. I'm also going to get into Live Plus One on this because Live Plus One is an EP they put out. They put it out before Made in Japan. It's actually their first live EP. Uh, only released in Japan. It kind of has a bit of overlap with Made in Japan, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, I just want to go through this pretty quick because I don't, can't really see any other episode where we would fit in yeah. this episode. And why Japan again? Why did they release Live Plus One there? I don't know. They must have been really press, pushing like Maiden in Japan at the, at the time. Yeah. And they needed content to put out. Yeah. So Live Plus One came out in November 1980. So this was recorded July 4th, 1980 at the Marquee Club in London. Um, and this is the Dennis Stratton lineup. So afterwards they released it in Greece in 1984 like four years later with a bunch of extra tracks so nine tracks total the greek version so i'm just going to run through this really quick the soundhouse tapes came out then iron maiden came out a few singles then live plus one came out right before killers so this came out then killers and then made in japan yeah so this is more of a document of the iron maiden era with the dennis stratton lineup so the first song on it is sanctuary uh, this is, like I said, July 4th at the Marquee, July 4th, 1980. It's a really great version of Sanctuary. pretty cool version uh like all these versions paul diano sounds great the band sounds great like this this is the dennis stratton lineup it's not the same made in japan era 
But I mean, Maiden just sounds, they sound so great. All these yeah. like live recordings from the Paul era, it just seems like they're, I don't know, they just have this energy to them. Yeah, it's awesome. And then this is after a couple episodes ago, we talked about the, when Adrian joined in the German recording. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So this is pre-Adrian. Yeah. This, L- this, this, this is pre-Adrian. Yeah. yeah. I'm just kind of shoehorning this uh, EP yeah. in just because. I'll get into how it overlaps with me in Japan in a minute. Second track, Phantom of the Opera. Now that's from the same show, July 4th, 1980 at the Marquee. Amazing version of the song. This was actually the B-side on the Women in Uniform single. So side two of the Japanese pressing, which was the original pressing, a version of Drifter. That's that cool little, little yeah. crowd participation thing, which is supposed to be like making fun of the police. Yeah. The band, the police. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. That's Paul just like entertaining the crowd. I remember we did the B-Sides episode. We had played another clip very similar. Not the same clip as this, but it's recorded. The one on the B-Side to the Sanctuary single is the same venue, but it's from uh, April 3rd, 1980. This is July 4th, 1980. That's right. So it's a, you know, the same... He had this thing going on with the song that he did with the audience every, yeah. every night. The, this version's like eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. The album version's like four, um, a little under five minutes long. So they stretched it out and did this audience <laughs> participation thing. Which is kind of cool to hear. But uh, I think I'd take the album version over this oh, version. Yeah. So it's called Live Plus One. 
the plus one is the album version of the women in uniform that's the plus one so it's three live tracks and the women in uniform album version the cover of the sky hooks so there's not much to the ep yeah. it's three live tracks yeah. and the women in uniform there's a greek release of this yeah. it has drifter which is the same as the japanese version fan of the opera women in uniform that's the album version then they put the innocent exile from made in japan and side two is sanctuary the same sanctuary we just listened to yeah. then they put the album version of prowler then running free from made in japan remember tomorrow from made in japan and i've got the fire a montrose you know that montrose cover yeah, yeah, yeah. uh live in london this is also from the marquee club but a different show than the rest of the live plus one tracks yeah. So it's just this, they kind of just dumped a bunch of stuff onto this and stretched it out to nine tracks and re-released it in Greece four years later. The original yeah. of this came out with four tracks. Yes. Made in Japan came out. And yeah. then years later, it was a couple of years later, it was re-released again. And they took some of the Made in Japan tracks and threw on this. Threw them on there. As a Greek release. There is a little, that's how it kind of overlaps with the Made in Japan. Yeah. So I figured I'd put those two EPs together and just like we just talk about them both on the yeah, episode. Yeah, and there's the, there's similarities in the cover, yeah. the fact that it was released in Japan, like it's. So this is a copy of I don't of the ja- original yeah. Japanese Iron Maiden Live Plus One vinyl. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. So this is this is your vinyl, and this is pretty rare, right? Eh? Um, it's hard to find one in good condition for a good price. Yeah. I actually ordered that online, and it only showed up like two days ago, just in time for us to do this episode. I was, oh. I was thinking it wasn't going to get here, but it showed up. Deadly. One of the few Iron Maiden album covers that doesn't have Eddie on it. Yeah, he's not in there at all. Nope. Can you think of the other ones? Oh, God. Off the top of my head. Can anyone listening to this think of the other episode, the other covers that don't? Hmm. Leave that to me. Yeah, not a studio album. Wasting Love. Wasting the album love. cover to that doesn't have an idiot on it. Okay. Yeah, no, off the top of my head, I mean, every every studio album and live disc, to me, has it. I'm thinking now through the, the signals. Yeah. So there's a single of Running Free, too, that just has, like, a live shot of the stage that has Bruce and Steve Harris. I think that's it. If anyone else can think of one. Yeah. I'll send you a whole bunch of... Uh, Talking Maiden merchandise. Yeah. First person that emails us. <laughs> First person. Yeah, there's a very su- subtle Eddie on the cover of Matter, Life, and Death. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. All the studio albums have. Yeah. And there's, a, there's that cover that has Bruce with like an Eddie mask on his head. There's like a couple that have mm. live shots of the band with Eddie in the background. But uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just picturing there's there's an album cover I've seen that just has like texture. It's like minimal. And that's why I was saying there's a lot of time into it. But there is there's a, something that's just Yeah, text. there is one that's white cover yeah. with black text on it but there's also a uh, there's the live time with the the, the background yeah. yeah either way this is a total nerd digression <laughs> um yeah i don't know but either way yeah i mean you're you you make your point but if we missed one yeah if somebody emails us someone emails us i'll send you a whole bunch of stickers and other yeah, assorted i'll send you talking stickers. maiden stuff the beer is really good eh? yeah it was a great beer deadly yeah that's that's pretty good actually i didn't even think you know that much about this stuff i just i my before this, I thought like Made in Japan was just like this cool cover art, yeah, a couple of tracks, and just a ton of different vinyl because I had looked at it because yeah. I knew you had it, and I just couldn't make heads or tails. There's so many copies of it. Yeah, there's and a the, bunch yeah. of different releases of it. Yeah, but um, I feel like this episode I was kind of like listing off a lot of stuff. The album itself is pretty good. The songs on it are great. There's not that much to it. It's only four tracks, but yeah. to me, 
because of the time that it was released yeah. and what it captures. Yeah. I really get into this era of Maiden. This yeah. whole like crossover between singers. Yeah. So that period of Maiden for, to me, I just can't get enough material from there. So Maiden yeah. Japan to me really like strikes a chord with me. And I love hearing these songs. Yeah, well, it stands out in, in yeah. any of the, any of the books, any you know any discussion from that period. It's always in there. It's really important. Yeah. The quality of the recording is awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's like Paula is best in some ways, and um, you know, yeah, the timing is important. The cover art's great. I think it's just just awesome, and yeah. we're glad we had it. They definitely big time upped their, um, but you know, by the time you get to live after death and that, they big time up their their live game. I mean, oh, yeah. this doesn't compare to a proper yeah. live album that we yeah. know because Maiden releases these amazing live albums. So somewhere in an yeah. archive somewhere there must be there must be a recording. The full recording must be there somewhere. And I can only hope that someday even like maybe even after Maiden breaks up they will release this as like a yeah, the great grandchildren will really like Peter Jackson's great grandson will make a concert disc using CGI <laughs> and make all the money. In. But they did re-release cuz like that Reading Festival that happened, uh, that was in August of 1981, and Made in Japan came out in September 1981. Mm. That Reading Festival, they recorded in September of 81. So that didn't come out until 2002 when that box set came out with the BBC archives and all that stuff. So Maiden does hold on to stuff and release it many, many years later. Yeah. So there's still hope that a I lot of these older recordings might get released. I can see it now. Talking Maiden, insider tip re-release a full actual made in japan is coming soon not an actual tip not an actual guarantee um yeah that would be awesome though. yeah so hopefully like i mean that's the other thing they have they must have soundboard recordings of most of these shows yeah you think they would just make them so yeah although like what pearl jam did with their live recordings if maiden did that i would just did go we on talk about it on the podcast or did we do it in spree. the in the buried early years episode where we talked about how they kept re-recording over the same tape that was when they did the soundhouse tapes yeah and they went back or the uh, space word studio demos yeah. and they went back and the demos were recorded over that's so crazy to think of that's like you know yeah. but i mean you know the famous painters throughout history they reused their canvases i mean the stuff yeah they paint over be, stuff yeah the stuff underneath would have been masterpieces yeah but uh Say love me. Excellent work there, Nesbitt. I yeah. love that. I really enjoyed that. That was deadly. I like Made in Japan a lot. I'm yeah. glad we covered it. And now we kind of cracked open the can on like the live, the live stuff. So let's start hitting up some oh, live albums. And God. let's not do them chronologically. Let's go like No, we jump never around. do anything chronologically. You, I know you really want to do in vivo. Let's do that soon. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And I uh, want to do, I rewatched uh, Live Chapter. Yeah, I wouldn't mind the doing that. video the other day. I think we should wait until we do Book of Souls before we do the, yeah, the uh, tour of Book of Souls. Yeah, that's right. That's I know, right. we should do Live After Death. Live After Death. Because sure. we did Power Slave already. Yeah, so much to do. The beer, yeah. circle back on it. Oh, great beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maple Rush. But what was the what was the group? So this is Bose Brewery. Yeah. It's the Wild Oat Series Maple Rush. Maple Robust Porter. And it's great. It's not very maple-y, but there's a hint of maple. But it's just enough, but it's bitter enough that it's I don't know. It's, it's, I'm a big fan of this. To anyone at the brewery, more maple next time, according to that. The just perfect like amount of maple. Just I the say. perfect Goldilocks maple. I like it. it tastes I like it too. Like it's great. Yeah. Chocolate porter stout mix, and it was awesome. Deadly. All right. Talking Maiden. Go to talkingmaiden.com. Rate us on iTunes if you haven't already. Get in touch with us on email. 
Uh, any ideas, suggestions, yeah. always welcome. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Thank you.